Jewish Latin Princess Episode 61, Laurie Palatnik, Founding Director of the Jewish Women's Renaissance Project. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. She was recently named one of the most outstanding Jewish American women of our time by Hadassah, and in 2014, Jewish Women's International named her one of the 10 women to watch in recognition for her contribution to Jewish women throughout the world. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. Welcome to the show. I'm Yael Trush, your host. And I have the one and only Lori Palatnik. You may be familiar with Lori as she is the founding director of the JWRP, the Jewish Women's Renaissance Project. JWRP is a, an international initiative that brings thousands of women to Israel each year from now 26 countries on a highly subsidized trip to inspire them with the beauty and wisdom of their heritage. She's an author and a sought-after speaker. So why exactly did she need to take this gigantic project on? How did Lori come to create such an organization that has grown so rapidly and is impacting not just women, but by extent, entire Jewish families? Listen to the steps that Lori took and what she ultimately decided to focus on and why. Why is comfort not part of Lori's lexicon? How did the Israeli government come on board and what has happened as a result? What are the challenges of doing this work and how does she handle them? Listen to the four things that Lori works on currently daily. You'll love those. What's next for Lori Palatnik? No, oh, and what national award did she receive once upon a time? Well, it has nothing to do with what the accolades that she's getting now. Wait till you hear that one. Here's the wise and energetic Laurie Palatnik. Laurie Palatnik, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. It's so great to have you here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm happy that we finally got to connect. I know you have a, a busy travel schedule, so I'm delighted that we made this happen. Okay, thank you for being patient. <laughs> my pleasure. Laurie, you started um, JWRP, the Jewish Women's Renaissance Project, back in 2009. And this has quickly become a name that we all know. I mean, personally, it's rare that I go to a speaking engagement where women don't mention to me that they've been on the JWRP trip to Israel. They share with me how much it's impacted them positively. I mean, I love the mission of JWRP and it's something I wholeheartedly believe in. And that's why I wanted you to come on the show. But I want listeners to hear from you because it is so powerful. Tell us what is the mission of JWRP? The Jewish Women's Renaissance Project is uh, was founded by eight women in 2008. And the whole idea is to change the world by unlocking the power of the Jewish mother. Mm -hmm. The idea, if you inspire a woman, you inspire a family. If you inspire enough families, you can inspire a community. And if you can inspire enough communities, you can change the world. Exactly. Exactly. Beautifully said. And Laurie, you had a career. I'm going to brag a little bit about you. You had a career before this got started. You were a sought after, you're a writer of numerous books, you're a sought after speaker. Take us back in time to 2008. What was the impetus to get this going? Why did you decide 
I'm going to do this. And, and you had a lot on your plate as it was, as it is. So what happened was I was traveling around the world speaking um, because there's a lot of, uh, lot of men speaking, but there's not a lot of women. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure you do. So I was speaking around the world and I, I saw that communities were not going in the right direction. What and do you mean? I, it means that I saw community, Jewish communities when I would return uh, were not getting stronger. They were getting weaker. And, and I would get these crazy job offers because people started recognizing that you need to engage the women and women need role models. So I would come home and say to my husband, do you want to be the chief rabbi of Costa Rica? Comes with maids. And he's like, I don't speak Spanish. I said, Yaakov, you're a smart guy. It comes with maids. Okay. So obviously I'm not moving to Costa Rica and I'm not moving to Atlanta and I'm not moving to Johannesburg. So what was I going to do? I, I, I had to I wasn't one of those speakers that could just go in and speak and they applaud and then I leave. Like I, I wanted to help them. And I knew that if we could just inspire their women, we could make a difference. So I brought these seven other women away. We actually went to Utah because one of the women of the seven owns a gorgeous place in Utah. And I said to her, I said to them, I want to start a women's movement based on Jewish values. I don't know how to do it, but we're smart women and we'll figure it out. Wait, and so you go to Utah on this kind of retreat with these seven yeah. women to kind of yeah. brainstorm about this. So what happened was I, 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 I knew I wanted to do something big. I didn't uh. know how to do it. And I actually went to somebody who does this for, um, and I didn't know what we were going to come up with. Honestly, I, we really, like, are we going to just start a, a local women's center? Are we going, I knew I wanted to do something big. Uh, my, my, uh, I went to somebody who I know who does this, who did this for, um, and still does for, or profit for mm -hmm. uh, like organ like a law firm. They'll take an eclectic people into a boardroom and they'll come up with a they walk them through a process where they come up with a common mission, vision, and purpose. Right. And I said to her, I'm going away to Utah. Can I do this for a nonprofit? What you do for a profit, can I apply this to a nonprofit? And she said yes. So she started telling me how to do it. And I'm taking notes, and mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm uh, I'm not so I'm not so patient with process. <laughs> so so I said to her, "Can we just like bottom line this?" And she goes, "Lori, if you're patient and you do what I say, magic will happen." Uh -huh. I said, "Okay, I'm trusting you." So I went away with these women, and I started walking them through this process. And uh, some of them were like me, like, "Can we just like bottom line this?" And I said, "If you're patient and you do what I say, <laughs> magic will happen." <laughs> and, Good for and you I'm for traveling. holding yourself back going against your nature. <laughs> I, re I really was. And now I'm telling you, magic happened. Magic happened. I said to them, don't think how much money do we have and what can we do with it? Think, what do we want to achieve? And now let's get the money. And I told them to think big. So we, we, the process was really step-by-step, uh, step, you know, getting in touch with your core values. What are your core values? What would your life look like if you lived them? What would your family look like? What would your community look like? What would the world look like? Hmm. And then we shared, even though we were a very eclectic group of women, really like half were Shomer Shabbat, half were not. Half were very left Democrat, half were very right Republican. Mm -hmm. And even though we were at different stages of life, and even though we were so different, we found the congruence of our values. We found where was the intersection Perfect. of our values. And we found it 
the JWRP, the Jewish Women's Renaissance Project, based on those values. And then we brainstormed, how do we bring these values to the world? What vehicle? And we must have come up with 100 ideas. And we advocated for ideas. And three ideas rose to the top. This idea, this uh, almost like a birthright for mothers, was mm-hmm. one of three ideas. And then, and this one took off like a rocket. I have never, ever, in the 30 years I've been involved in Jewish communal work, have ever been involved in anything that captured everybody's imagination from the beginning. How beautiful. And it, you knew these women personally because you they they're, they're you were all coming from different perspectives which and different walks of life. You knew them from just your community? Yeah, so I the only thing they all had in common is they knew me. <laughs> and uh, I knew them in different ways. And some of them were friends. Some of them were uh, women who came to my classes. Some of them were people who I just, the Almighty sent me, you know, different people in different mm-hmm, ways. And, mm-hmm. and and it really just, it all came together. It was really something that it was really meant to be. Each person had a perspective, a background, and uh, and 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 uh, a passion to to um, it, to contribute to to this movement. But look how beautiful the fact that if we all focus on what we have in common and not what we have different, how much we can achieve. What great you know, things I've- we can achieve. I have to tell you, it's one of our founding values to focus on what unites us and not what divides us. Tell us those values. Let's hear them. So, so what? Again, one of them is achdut velo achidut, unity without uniformity. Like, what is it that you know? Like, I have five kids, and they're all very different. They're all (laughs) politically, (laughs) religiously, personality, but they have each other's backs. They love each other, and when they're like that, my husband and I want to give them the world. And if they're not, it's like this is not why I had you. And so the Almighty is saying, even with your differences, learn, learn how to get along, learn how to work together. And if you do, I'll give you the world. That's right. And if not. This is not why I created you. So we focus on, again, what unites us and not what divides us. So we also very much believe in, um, we, we, we believe that together we could do so much more. We believe in partnership. We believe that not that Jewish organizations should not look at other Jewish organizations in their community as my competition. Hmm. They're not your competition. Correct. They're your partner. Correct. They just don't. They just don't know it yet. Talking about partnerships, you've also managed to bring the Israeli government on board um, to believe in your mission. And that is really just, I guess it was probably a pivotal moment, just a validating element to to your to JWRP, having the support of, the, of Israel's Ministry of Diaspora Affairs. I mean, how did you get them on board and what came out of that? This was, uh, you know, people, it's like a dream for a Jewish organization. Like, do you think these right. really government would help support and what we do? They came to us. Hmm. About four, like the first year, we brought 300 women from Canada, United States, and Mexico, three groups of 100. Then the okay. next year, we brought 600 women. Then we brought 900. Then we brought 1,000. And then I think it was in our fifth year that Israel's Ministry of Diaspora Affairs under Naftali Bennett contacted us and said, who are you guys? And what are you, <laughs> and what are you doing? We heard about you. We've, so we've, we've been in, watching you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I walked in with my annual report into their offices at their request, and I passionately presented what we're doing. We have data that shows this is a game changer for a woman, for her family, and for the community. And I said, let's be partners. So we created, they said, get into, it was a series of meetings, and they said, get into 
uh, Eastern Europe, double your numbers, and we'll help back you. Hmm. So I flew to Moscow, and I flew to St. Petersburg, and I flew to Budapest, and I flew to Greece and Turkey, and I was in Cuba and Germany, and we doubled our numbers. And now they are 21% of our $10 million annual budget. This, they are beloved partners. They believe in what we're doing. They help. They helped us to not just increase our numbers, but it, our impact. And they really, it's, it's been such a pleasure working with the ministry. This is just phenomenal. Now I have to put my MBA hat on here for a minute. You traveled to all these countries while at the same time, you're probably fundraising. I mean, yes. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I have to tell you, of the eight women who started this, nobody wanted to raise the money. Shocker. Right, so, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not a fundraiser, I'm an educator. And I and I was doing very well being an educator. And I said to them, well, the first three letters of fundraising are fun. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> so it turns out it's not always so much fun. But I have to tell you, it's been a very big part of my personal growth. It's out of my comfort zone. It was what was necessary for not just for the, the success of the movement, but it was necessary for my personal growth. Mm. Like they, you get to the point where the Almighty says, oh, so you're doing great, you know, whether it's motherhood or your marriage or your career. Okay, you're doing really good now. And now let's raise the bar because there's no such thing as, well, that's just the way I am. And there's no such, and, and the Almighty is, uh, did not create the world for us to become comfortable. The women who used to come to my local classes knew never to say the C word in my class. Never, that C word is comfortable. I'm yeah. comfortable, Lori, in my marriage. I'm comfortable in my Judaism. I'm comfortable in my fill in the blank. The, 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 I'll jump down your throat. The, mm-hmm. This is not a world, for, you have all of eternity to be comfortable, okay? In the next world. This is a world to achieve. This is a world to strive. This is a world to grow. This is not a world to be comfortable. That's exactly, exactly right. Uh, Lori, talk to us about, you mentioned those key components, that data that you had going into, you know, this initial meeting and then going into the meetings in different parts of the world. And that that data shows us that this is a game changer for communities. And I think a lot of what happens is even after the trip, there's a whole follow up experience. So walk us through this a little bit of, you know, when you talk about the data, what are we talking about? So first of all, you're correct. People are not signing up for a trip, they sign up for a one year, we call it momentum, Mm. momentum experience a one-year momentum year. During that momentum year, the beginning of it is this very highly subsidized trip. It's a free trip, not including airfare, for a woman who is not Shomer Shabbat and has children at home under the age of 18. And during that, so the actual eight days in Israel are really life-changing and transformational. But the last day of the trip is really the first day of their journey. We do everything in partnership. We have 220 partnering organizations in 26 countries. They range from outreach kollels to federations to JCCs to uh, the Jewish agency. Um, If you're doing good work for the Jewish people, partner with us under the umbrella of the Jewish woman, we will help you go from good to great. Mm. And our data, and then so after the, the, so the, uh, our partnering organization on the ground recruits the women, creates a cohort of women, uh, a minimum of 10, some have brought as many as 100 at a time, a minimum of 10 women, and um, they have three meetings before the actual trip, they come on the trip, 
as a group, they have this shared profound experience. They're with other women from all over the world in their cohorts. They go back to their community. See, the, the, the power of this is, you know, I believe in birthright. Believe me, Tugley, mm-hmm. birthright, all the campus programs. I'm, I'm all in. I have five kids. Mm-hmm. But uh, the challenge of birthright is the kids come on this program and because of their stage in life, they, they're very fluid. And so they go back and they, they scatter across the country. So doing follow-up and supporting their journey is, is more challenging. Whereas these women are coming from the same community, having this shared experience and going back to the same community. So they, co- these, they become, j- they, you know, Momentum Sisters, JWRP Sisters, and that sisterhood, they help and support each other in as they move forward. We provide the local uh, partner with a curriculum called the Year of Growth, mm-hmm. where at least once a month, the women are gathered together to pursue the four different goals of the year. The goals are, number one, to connect to Jewish values. Mm-hmm. Number two, engage with Israel. Number three, take action, mm-hmm. take responsibility. And number four, unity without uniformity. Wow, super powerful, super incredibly well thought out. I am totally impressed. I knew a lot about the trip, but I think you're giving me so much to think about. I mean, really, this is unbelievable. Now, you mentioned that one of the the women who are meant to go on this trip are women who are not yet Shabbat observant. Um, Talk Talk to us a little bit about that choice and why is it important for you to keep this requirement in place? So I believe every woman should have the opportunity to grow and be inspired and empowered. I, uh, we chose, we chose to focus on this woman because we wanted to design something that without this, this woman and her family are at risk of falling off the Jewish map. Mm -hmm. A woman who is Shomer Shabbat, chances are she's already living in the Jewish community. Her kids are probably going to Jewish day school. She is probably has a certain level of knowledge and commitment. Does she need to be inspired? 100%. And I actually helped uh, a friend of mine start a program for women who are more observant called the Chizok Mission. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not where I am putting uh, time and energy and resources into because I'm doing triage. You know, triage, when a doctor does triage, that means they're in the emergency room and God forbid there's an accident. So people come in. A doctor quickly has to and has been trained to decide if I put my time and effort into this person, even if I, like I, I'm doing my best, there's a good chance they're going to die. And if I put my, if I ignore this person, even if I don't touch them, they're probably going to live. I'm looking for the one that if I put my time and effort into, I can make a difference and literally save their life. So that's what we're doing. A woman who's Shomer Shabbat, if I don't put time and resources into her, you know, of course, everybody needs to grow, but I'm not as concerned about her. I'm concerned about the woman that if we don't reach her now, her and her family, like that her children, her grandchildren are not going to be Jewish. It's going to be over. But in eight days on this program, and with quality follow-up, you literally can bring her and her kids back. And that means you're you're not only impacting her family now, you're impacting them for generations. Generations. Right, right. Generations. Talk to us about the challenges and uh, maybe on those early days, or perhaps there are still continue. I'm sure there still continue to be some challenges running a program of this magnitude. Yes. Well, at the beginning, the challenge was that it was something new. We were a little bit of disruptors. Uh, <laughs> even though the women are the most important influencer in the family, she holds the most important, three most important decisions a family will ever make. Where we live, where our kids go to school, and who we 
socialize with. Mm-hmm. These, these affect the family now and for generations. So she is the most important person, the pivotal person in the family, and yet she was the most underserved. So when we first started this, people said, oh, women, they'll never leave their kids. Or... Um, Interesting. Uh, you'll, you'll never you'll you'll never be able to raise the money for them or the husbands won't let them <laughs> the husbands won't let them go like I, we always say that the price was not uh it was not for the women with that we that we created a free trip not including airfare it was for the husbands so they would say <laughs> for that price how could you not go i'll watch the kids so it really it it's there so at the beginning it was something new something disruptive something that and again, there were other organizations that said, well, we already do trips to Israel. We do family trips. We do couples trips. We do. And nobody thought that really you could focus in on just the woman and how could that could be possible. And we're, we're creating, it was a new animal. Mm-hmm. So, so the beginning, uh, and then it was, <laughs> it definitely was challenging to raise the money. But now we have the data, we have the experience, we have the partnerships. And, but because it's now been scaled, we, like the first year we brought 300 women, last year we brought 3,000. So, we we uh, we brought more women on the first trip this year of 600 than we had the whole first year. So, and this is only our ninth year of trips. So, we really uh, funding is an ongoing issue. We believe that we have created an incredible staff. We have 35 people working around the world, completely also very diverse from diverse backgrounds, all believing in the same mission. And uh, we have, I, I'm not going to say perfected, but our, our, the trip experience and the follow-up curriculum are, have been honed and listening to the women, listening to our partners. And we've created something I think that has, a, and our data shows, much higher impact. Um, but we also are, um, it, it's, it's really funding. Like we could, we, we have a waiting list, not just of women. We have a waiting list of countries. We have countries, organizations who are ready to come on board. We simply don't have all the funds. Mm. And we believe in this model of making it subsidized. We definitely, women have supported us afterwards. We have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to support us. Our funding comes from, like I said, 21% from the Israeli government. And the rest comes from individuals, family foundations. And we're starting to, you know, at the beginning, nobody knew who we were. And now we, everybody knows somebody who, like you said, you're traveling around. You heard about the JWRP. But it's really... You know, where is that? Uh, I guess we're looking for that. That like, where is our Sheldon Adelson? <laughs> okay, where is where is that that person who's going to say, you know what? I, I'm going to invest in the Jewish woman because the ROI, the return on investment, is so great. Here's ten million dollars. Take this to the whole. To, to the new level. Mirza Shem should be like that very, very, very soon. Amen, amen. <laughs> Laurie, you just talked about the challenges um, for the organization itself, which obviously, you know, it's still personal, but um, I want to take it a little bit more personal um, throughout this journey. Were there times when you, you yourself felt like this is just, you know, way too much for my shoulders to carry this is what in the world am I doing and if so my question is where do you where did you turn to then how do you find strength to keep going then so there definitely have been times and there still are where I think like oh my gosh this is how how am I going to do this how how is this possible because I've seen time and time again how the almighty has come through for me it's given me the confidence and the faith and the trust that it's that it's going to be okay that Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be good. Like I, and I definitely have a mantra. All I can do is my best. As long as I'm doing my best, we're good. But all I can do is my best. And so 
what my avoda, what my what I work on now is something called yeshuva dot, which means like a settled mind, like mm-hmm. to be in a place, and it's something I work on, and it's not my natural state to have the the four C's: calm, clear, connected, and compassionate. If mm-hmm. I can get that state, no matter what the Almighty sends my way, whether it is about the this movement or it's on my personal about my personal life, right? I'll be able to make good choices. God willing. And I, I have seen, you know, who do I turn to? First of all, my husband is a very, very great man. He doesn't just have a lot of knowledge. He has wisdom. And he is he is my biggest fan and my most astute critic. Hmm. And he is not afraid to tell me when I'm off. And, and, and he's there for me to give me guidance and perspective. And I could never have done it without my husband, that's for sure. And I, I really feel um, that in the end, I remember there was one year that was so hard. We, ma- we made a huge leap in our budget. And I didn't know how I was going to raise the money. And there was something going on in my personal life where I was more limited in the amount I could travel. And and that's the year a major foundation came on board and, and really brought us, you know, it, it, fiscally into a very healthy place. Um, we've fallen behind the last couple of years because we're growing so much. Right. But, you know, I have to know and I have to, if I keep doing the right thing uh, and, uh, and and trust in the Almighty and and do my best and surround myself with the best people and and, and, and the most talented and, and our team is amazingly committed, incredible people people, I, I just have to trust that that everything's going to work out. Yeah, we do our best. And we have to let Hashem do the rest, like only he can. <laughs> you know, remembering that God runs the world yes. keeps going every day. Because if I ran the world, it would be, it would be a mess. It would That's be right. way less. Too, too many last minute things, but I'm a limited person. Exactly. So are, so are you. God exactly. is unlimited. God can do anything, but what do you want and why do you want it? We all know what we want, but the Almighty is waiting for us to get to the why because he can only give it to us if it's good for us. You mentioned calm, clear, connected, and compassionate. And I suspect that by compassionate, you also mean compassionate with ourselves which I think is something that we as women have to learn, right? (laughs) That's very very beautiful. That's very... Yes. All right. Well, Laurie, you've done so much. I mean, JWRP is, as you said, all over the world. There are countries waiting. Um, How many countries already you said you have? 26. Incredible. Oi. Hashem's name. Um, but I have a feeling that there's a lot more in you, not just for JWRP, um, on a personal level, aside from bringing the redemption, which you're working on every day with this project, what do you see next, not just for JWRP, but for Lori Palatnik? Very interesting. So I, you know, I'm on a lot of planes. And so I do a lot of, you know, I do some writing while I'm there. And I've, you know, written some blogs, I've written some books, I have some books out. I wrote <laughs> just a I wrote, few things. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote a screenplay. Oh. I wrote a play and it's a romantic comedy that has Jewish wisdom about love dating marriage interwoven in a regular you got male nor Efron type of romantic comedy. It's it's a movie that it's like a like a chick flick, like a date film. Um and but it because I speak on I live in the Washington DC area and I often speak on Capitol Hill Hill for the staffers on the Senate side. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The chaplain there likes me. And so uh, I found that the, the wisdom that we have, the Jewish people have, is supposed to be for the world. It's not yeah. supposed to be a secret for the Jewish people. So when I teach, especially about things that have to do with relationships, like it really resonates with the with the broader world. And so I was thinking, like, how do I get this out there to help people? And so I thought about, you know, writing a movie. And so I, I love it. Books. I've written books before, and my background before I started my Jewish journey was in radio. I was a copywriter, wrote commercials. So I figured, like, you know, what? how hard could it be to write? 
write a movie. So I got a book on how to write a screenplay, and I, I, and it was a different genre, a different style, and I sort of learned it. And I said, I actually met somebody in New York who told me she was an agent who represents writers, actors, uh, not actors, but writers, directors, and producers, and she specialized in romantic comedies. And I said, I wrote a movie, and I said it to her, and I said, you know, really tell me just to stick to my day job if it's a nothing. And she goes, she read it, and she wrote to me. She goes, you got something here. Uh, you know, she gave me notes. She gave me things I had to change. And, um, and you know, I, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to do with it now. And, and I, I do believe in it. I do believe it is something that could help people. Um, so I'm always working on different things. My, you know, on a personal level also that we just became um, we became uh, empty nesters and we're starting we own a home in Israel oh, wow. and we start we're starting to shift over there so we the house we've been living in in Washington was a rental and somebody the, the owner decided to sell it so we had to leave the house so now we're kind of in a temporary place and we're shifting over to Israel so I'm surrounded by a lot of boxes so there is change happening and I have to tell you I like change hmm. I like change I like when things I like new opportunities challenges adventures opportunities to grow I like change. The world is an amazing world. Why would I live in the same place forever? Okay, in the same house or the same, it's like, it's more my nature to change yeah. it up. And, um, and, and, you know, the, uh, and it says change your home, change your muscle, change your, totally. change your place, change your destiny. So why not do that? But it all the Talmud also says, all beginnings are hard. Mm -hmm. And the Talmud is right. Like when I first moved to DC 13 years ago, the first year was very hard. Yes. And then the CWRP happened and it was amazing. So I see whether it's the first year of your marriage or the first year of a new venture, we just have to have the clarity of purpose and the courage to live our clarity. And with the help of the Almighty, it's life could be incredible. We just have to be open to it. 100%. And I have a feeling that we're going to be here in no time discussing this romantic comedy. I'm so excited <laughs> about this project. <laughs> You'll be invited to the opening. Anybody who's, who's positive. I have some of my kids who roll their eyes like, oh, yeah, Ima's movie. And I'm like, you're not invited to the opening. <laughs> oh, I love it. Laurie, you've been great. Let's wrap up this interview. Actually, before we do the JLP in the blanks, I did not know that your background was in radio and media. Um, okay, so give us the very briefly the story of how did this transition to uh, more Jewish observance happened? Or am I reading into this too much? Were you observant no, no. growing up? No, I was not observant growing up. And the, the big change happened in my life when I won a national award for a Christmas commercial that ah, I wrote. Are you joking? I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. I was I studied communications. I worked in, in, in radio. I was a copywriter. And I wrote a Christmas commercial that won a national award. And so I decided before changing markets, because now my career started to take off, um, I was going to go see the world because my mother is an artist and very adventurous. And I have that sort of side in me. And I wanted to go see the the Renoir and the Pissero and the, the Statue of David. And I decided, you know, I, I thought, you know, what, I've got my degree. I've got my work experience. I have my 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 national award. And now I'm going to go see, before I make I, I'm not married. I don't have mortgage or children. This is my time. So I went, got a backpack and went off traveling through Europe and under very strange circumstances, we do not have time to talk about it now, maybe another time. Under very strange circumstances, I ended up in Israel and something got planted within me. Hmm. And even though when I returned to Canada, because uh, I was, I grew up in Toronto, when I returned, I, even though I had been through some most beautiful, beautiful countries filled with art and culture and history, I couldn't get Israel out of my heart and soul. And so when one year later, I 
had an opportunity to go back because somebody I met there put me on a list and uh, off I went back to a six-week study into her program. I really, you know, the first time I was there, I had a feeling if I don't leave now, I'm never going to leave. I want to live here forever. And it didn't make any sense. But one year later when I came back and this time I was studying and touring and, and meeting you know, incredible people, including the leaders of Israel. I, I, I also felt if I don't leave now, I'm never going to leave. I want to live here forever. But this time it started making sense. It had mm. something to do with the destiny of the Jewish people, it had something to do with God. It had something there was it really drew me. And it was a journey I had of learning. And because I had to really catch up on my Jewish education. Um, because when I grew up, uh, we called Hebrew school, after school Hebrew school, Jew jail. So this, <laughs> this, was not, uh, this was not empowering. It was a sentence that you wanted to graduate out of and break out of. So this was a very different, I, I was a young adult and looking at my Judaism in, a, in more mature eyes. And I had a lot of questions and I needed to get answers. And I figured if, this w if I was going to get answers, I wanted to go to the source. So I spent a year in Israel learning and growing and then uh, went back to Canada, went back to Israel again and, and met my husband. And uh, we've been working in Jewish communities in Toronto, Denver, and now in the DC area. And when I met my husband, he had been in Israel for 10 years. He's from Chicago. And mm -hmm. I'd been there for two years. I had an aerobics business there. That's how I made money. <laughs> And when we we met and, and got married based on we're both going to live in Israel, but God had other plans. And uh, we've been working our way back ever since. And it's been 30 years. And now we're we're moving back, God willing. It looks like we're, we're finally getting back there, but not to retire and not to get comfortable. We don't that, we don't believe in retirement. <laughs> no, we always sure. have what to do in this world. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot to do. So I'm still on the road a lot. Uh, but my home base, I, I'm hoping, is going to be Israel in the next few months. How beautiful! You know what? It, we we so we have a soul connection to the land of to, uh, to the land of Israel, which is in in great part why this trip of all the three ideas that you finally you know came up with in this brainstorming seven day you know trip this is the one that I think stuck because it's that in the same thing that happened to you that soul connection that we all have it ignites yeah. something in us you know in our yeah. souls all right let's do some JLP fill in the blanks and the way this goes is I give you a statement and you just fill it away okay okay, okay. Right. sounds like fun I'm Laurie Palatnik and I feel most spiritual when I feel most spiritual when I am flying into Israel and I see the land for the first time and sometimes it's been a while since I've been there and I feel like like I'm living a miracle. Hmm. Wow. I haven't been there in a while and we're going to be God willing going soon. So the yeah, we're very excited. It's such a beautiful feeling. I'll never forget every time I leave Israel, just shedding tears on the plane back. And I can never, as a young woman, I always find it like inexplicable. Why am I, I sitting here crying? And I just, they just, I, ju I just would sit there and cry. Like, like a piece of me was left behind. Yeah, Al, I cry every time. I, because it says if you don't merit the land, it spits you out. And every time I leave, mm -hmm. I think like, again, I don't merit to stay. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you think, of course, I'm coming back, my kids, my job, my da 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 It's not like I'm not doing work out here. But if the Almighty could work it out, you think you're not in Israel because of fill in the blank. But you're not there because you, right now you don't merit it. Because the Almighty could make it that you you get a job off of your husband, something happens, like you, you end up there. You just, you have to want it. Mm. And, and you have to merit it. My favorite mitzvah or one I feel most connected with is I really love mikvah. I have to tell you, mm. I think it's one of the most spiritual things. This is there's only two mitzvahs that you do with your whole body. Yeah. Do 
dwelling in a sukkah and immersing in the mikvah. Right. And there's something like so spiritual and so connecting and so so private and so so deep. I don't it's so pervasive. I just I love mikvah. Whenever I, you know I go back into the preparation room after immersing in the mikvah, my eyes are shining. My eyes are shining. There's like something something happened there that you did a physical act that has such deep spiritual ramifications and it's has such a brings such a magic to your to your key relationship in life your core relationship which is your marriage and you're really taking the hand of god and inviting him into that relationship mm-hmm. yeah so beautiful we have to remember that that's a hard mitzvah but it really is there's something to it like you just described it beautifully um that's really it and we're taking the hand of god and bring it into marriage my fondest sweetest jewish memory is i have to tell you like you know as a little girl if we really sit you know going to the my to the satyrs to the seder of, of great grandparents no of grandparents satyrs of, of great uncles and aunts there was something about it seemed like the most family jewish it was mysterious to me i didn't understand the hebrew i didn't understand what we were doing but there was something so that when i think about it like my memories are very warm and very loving memories of those those satyrs. Yeah, something I wished I had learned about Judaism growing up is that there is a God and that He loves me more than anyone in the world. That's right. When I give tzedakah, I like to give too. I love to give to things that are that I feel deeply personal that I'm making a difference by by giving this hmm. something that touches me on a personal level that I feel is going to make a personal difference. So it's often connected to a story. Like if I tell, if I ask somebody to, you know, sponsor one woman on the trip and her family, I think that's, that's a, you know, that would touch a person more than I'm just giving to your, I don't know, to, to your budget. So you're (laughs) making your budget that you make it, that it's personal. So sometimes when I see something online or somebody asks me to help a specific person, um, then I really feel, I feel like I'm making a difference that this is not, this money is not being lost in some bureaucratic, you know, thing. Yeah. And finally, I'm Laurie Palatnik. And today I'm most grateful for well, today, I'm most grateful that our daughter Malki is coming home after two years in Israel. Mm. Uh, even though I hope and pray that she finds her Besherit and moves back to Israel. I, you know, this is our youngest. I love this girl. And I'm so we I feel so grateful and so blessed that she spent two years uh, at a incredible school called Benot Avigail in in Yerushalayim under the tutelage of a very great woman, great scholar, Rebetzin Sapora Heller. Oh, and that wow. she, Yeah, so that she was able to learn. She, the first year she was learning there, the second year she was a madricha, she was working there and getting her undergrad degree. And I feel that she was like I, I would have traded in a second to sit at mm-hmm. Reverend Heller's feet. And I feel so grateful today that she's coming home and that she was given that time and that she has that relationship with such a great, great woman. Amazing. Laurie, you've been amazing. You've been wonderful. You're as wonderful and lovely as everybody told me you were. And I love this interview. And I got to have you back because I think we probably are going to have a lot to talk about. Now, uh, it's my pleasure, really. <laughs> my, my total pleasure. And I want to say that the Latina women who come on our trips, we have met. We have our huge growing contingency of women. I know, I know. South America, and and they add a spirit and a soul 
if it was up to me, they would be on every trip. I know. And I want to tell you, and we're going to discuss this offline, but I've gotten several emails from people saying, when are you going to put together a Spanish speaking trip for us? So well, we have an all Spanish speaking teacher now. We just did our all, we just did our first all Spanish trip. Because usually we put the Spanish women, the Spanish speaking women on the trips with the others and right. we do simultaneous translation. But now we have incredible uh, leader. Her name is Raquel Kirschenbaum. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's fantastic. And she, and we have, uh, we know that the Latina women need, uh, you know, their own specialized programming and teachings, and we welcome them into our sisterhood. And we only want it to go from from good to great. I know it. Well, where, where can we find you for all the listeners out there who want to find out where do we have to go? All you have to go to our website, JWRP, JWRP, Jewish Women's Renaissance Project, JWRP.org. Fantastic. And over there, you can find where your local Every chapter day. is and the dates of the trip and everything you need to know about it and then you just have to discuss it with your husband and get going <laughs> <laughs> and I have to tell you there are women who come on the trips who are not married they're either divorced or widowed and we you know if you're, you're we're if you're a mother please come on board awesome well Laurie thank you so much I look forward to keeping in touch with you and seeing all the growth and I wish you much continued success thank you muchos gracias Thanks to Lori Palatnik for stopping by. If you want to learn more about the Jewish Women's Renaissance Project, head over to www.jwrp.org. And um, you know what to do there. You'll find everything you need to know. And hey, maybe JWRP is in my future. I don't know. I've been getting tons of messages, messages, emails. I've been hearing from people from many, many different places. You should go. You should do this. You should bring people. When are you going to bring people? Maybe I really should organize a Spanish contingency, a Latin ladies contingency from Houston. What do you all think? I really think this is in my future. Should I, I, I should put it on my big projects list for 2018, 2019. Oh, I really want to do this. I have a hard time committing to long-term projects, um, uh, despite what others might think. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for being here. Next week, we're on to the topic of adoption, and you are not ready for what you're going to hear. It it is mind-blowing, inspiring beyond words. I hope that you're having a great first week of summer. If this is your first week, it is technically officially mine since the kids are officially out of school. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope it involves happy, well-entertained children and a lot of calm on your part, a nice weather, maybe a beach, maybe a cool drink. I don't know. Just enjoy it. Be happy. Cherish the moment. Soon enough, they'll all go back to school and maybe it's time to slow down a little bit. Sounds like I'm talking to myself, eh? I'll see you all here next week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.